this message, and uh, in an instant, I was just praying. I was actually on vacation, and I was praying, and, and God gave me this word. And I came up with the title myself. I didn't know what else to call it, but I call it Recession-Proof Principles of Prosperity. And, and to me, these are principles that I've lived by and uh, that have served me well throughout, throughout my ministry, my life. And uh, I know the nation as a whole is facing some difficult times right now, especially economically, but um, that we maybe haven't faced before in our lifetime. But I have faced tough times. I've been through tough times, and I can tell you these principles really work. And uh, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin here. And I'm going to give you four points. Point number one is have faith in God. If you put your faith in the, the economy or the stock market or the government, you're going to be disappointed. If you put faith in your employer or your customers, you may be disappointed. But God can work through those or he can work around those things to make sure that he meets your needs. And uh, it will be very helpful for us as God's people to settle these, these issues up front. We can decide and determine and settle the issue in our hearts right now that we're going to make it financially in the days to come. How many of you know God has brought you this far? You didn't make it this far because the, the economy was good and you were lucky or you got, you know, you just were too smart to fail. You made it this far because God promised to meet your needs and God has brought you through and God has fed you and clothed you and he's given you the ability, the power to get well. And, uh, and the God that brought us this far is going to take us all the way to the end. And no matter how bad it may look, God's going to take care of us. He can use normal avenues, normal uh, channels of, of supply, or he can use supernatural channels of supply. But he has guaranteed he's going to take care of us. Can you say amen? amen. So Matthew chapter 6, and verse, uh, verse 25, we'll start there. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now this is Jesus talking. God sees this thing from a whole different perspective. And what he, Jesus is trying to say is, how can you doubt God? Don't you know how much God loves you? Don't you know that God feeds the birds? They don't just make it because they're, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just so smart that they can't fail. God takes care of the animals. He takes care of the birds. And if he does that for them, how much more will he take care of you? From God's perspective, he can't imagine that we would ever spend a minute worrying or doubting that we're going to make it financially. Even if we lose our job, he can't imagine how you could doubt that he's going to take care of you. And, and, and that's really the truth. God has made it his priority to take care of you and to meet your needs. And how many of you know God's good at what he does? And he can even factor in our mistakes and our missteps and our, our, our financial blunders. He can factor all that in and still make sure that you make it. I believe that this would take a tremendous load off of some people if they would just go ahead and, and, and admit that God's going to take care of me. I'm going to make it. 
that I don't have to worry and think about it and carry this weight all the time because God's going to make sure that in the end it's all going to come together. Have there been close calls? Oh, yeah, there's been a lot of close calls, but that doesn't count. If, if you make it, you make it. If you, if, if you pay the bills, if you, if you have what you need, if your needs are supplied, whether it's at the last minute or way in advance, you still made it. So Jesus is saying, can't you see how God takes care of the animals, the birds, and he's going to take care of you. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? It's just... It's little faith when we don't think that we're going to be able to, to make ends meet. We don't think we're going to survive. We don't think we're going to make it financially. Uh, this was an agricultural society when he wrote this, and so he was talking to people that didn't have probably a mortgage. They didn't have insurance. They didn't have utility bills. We have all those things today, and God understands that. So you could add all those basic necessities in, uh, you know, you, God doesn't expect you to go live in a cave and then he'll feed you and clothe you. He knows that we got to have we got to have these modern things. To, to, you can't function in America today without vehicles and and you have a housing and you have insurance and you have utility bills and you have all that. God knows all that. And so verse 31, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Well, who are the Gentiles? They're people that don't have God. They don't, they don't know God. And, and, and I don't know how they function, you know, because they don't have anything to believe in, to fall back on. They're all they can count on. But, and so they ought to be afraid of things. But we're, we're people that have a covenant with Almighty God. And we need to take it as seriously as he does. He's saying, I'm going to take care of you. You ought to believe that. Has he ever not? And, and how many times does he have to come through until we believe he's going to come through next time? Why do we not give God the benefit of the doubt and think, you know, I know last time we made it, but I don't know about next time. You can do that the rest of your life and never be happy. Or you can say, you know what, God did it last time and God's going to do it next time. God's going to make a way for me. People get all upset over the, 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 the job, and it's bad. I mean, the, un, the unemployment rate's going up, and that's bad. It's like 9 or 10%, and they say it could be 14 or 17%, and you know how they have all these figures. And I just tell people, you know what? You only need one job. You, you only need one. I don't know how many people are out of work, but, but I just need one job, and I believe God can do that for me. Say, so, well, well, what about the other people? Well, I don't know about them, but I know about me. And I know about you and God, and God's promised to take care of you. So, uh, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Don't act like the Gentiles. Let's act like people that have a God that cares about us, that we have faith in. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, point number one, have faith in God. That's a recession-proof principle that you can use, and it'll work in good times and bad times. Have faith in God. I was a youth pastor uh, for a few years, and, and I never got a salary. I never got paid by the church. I always had to work. 
on the side to, to pay my bills, and, and, uh, and I didn't make a whole lot. I made enough, but it wasn't a whole lot. I didn't have a lot of money. And so on the weekends, I liked to just drive to this nearby town where they had a mall, and I would walk through the mall just to feel like an American, you know, once a week. And, and, and it was free, and I might buy a burger, buy some cheap meal, and that was my Friday night after working all week, and then I'm getting ready for Sunday for my youth. And so I'd go to town on Friday and, and just walk through the mall. Well, I made a mistake one week. Instead of walking into the main entrance of the mall where you just walk right in, I walked through a department store entrance into the mall. And I made the mistake of going through the men's department, not on purpose, just sort of accidentally. And I walked by a mannequin that had a very simple sports shirt on it. This was 20-some years ago. And I looked at the price tag. And when I saw the price tag, I thought, I can't afford a shirt. <laughs> I mean, I looked at that. I thought, that's more money than I make in a day. And that's just a cheap shirt. And I got so upset, so depressed, I just, I didn't even take my walk. I just went back to the car and drove back home, murmuring all the way, I can't afford to live. I, uh, prices, I've been in the hills here, and prices have gone up, and now look at me. I'm, what have, where did I go wrong? Where did I make that wrong? God, I should have gone to college. I knew I should have gone to college. You told me not to, and you sent me here, and now I can't afford a shirt, much less pants. And then what about dress shirts? And, and it, just, it just overwhelmed me. And I went about that way for a little while, and then the Lord really started dealing with me. He just sort of shook me and, and, and asked me a few questions, you know, and I don't have a, an ongoing, audible conversation with God. I don't want to give you that idea, but he knows how to communicate when he wants to, and he wanted to. And, and the question that came to me was, don't you have shirts in your closet? I said, well, well, yeah, I mean, I have shirts in my closet. I must have got them when the prices were low. But now, I mean, I have them. But if I had to buy a new one, I couldn't buy a new one. I mean, it's over now. If I ever need another shirt, I can't buy a shirt. And then he said, well, have you ever had to leave home without a shirt? Because you couldn't afford it? Have you ever had to leave home with clo without clothes? Because you, I said, no, I, I never have. But if I needed one now, I couldn't do it. Well, don't you have shirts to wear right now? I said, well, yeah, I do right now. He said, well, how do you think you got those shirts? Well, I don't know. My dad. <laughs> I, I mean, I got them on sale. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Well, he said, what is it that you want? Would you like to have every shirt you're ever going to need for the rest of your life right now? Is that what you want? Do you want all the clothes you're ever going to need for the rest of your life right now? Do you, how about, do you want all the food you're ever going to eat? Do you want that right now too? How about we just bring everything you're ever going to need for the rest of your life and just bring it to you right now? What would you do with it? I thought, well, I'd find a place for it if you want to do that. I'll, I'm sure I can find a place to store it. The point is, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God took care of me all that time before then, and he knew the prices of shirts went up, and he even shared that with me. He, he, said, he, he said, I know preachers are expensive. <laughs> he said, I knew that before I had you. He said, I already factored all that in. I'm going to take care of you. I've been taking care of you till now. I'll take care of you when you need a shirt. You're going to get the shirt you need. 
thought, well, that's a new thought. <laughs> but there's that human tendency, no matter what God's done up until now, there's always that tendency to wonder if he's going to do it next time. And that's really what faith is. Faith says God's done it before and God's going to do it again. I didn't make it this far because I was so smart. We didn't make it this far just because America allowed us to live. Listen, it's God that gives you power to get wealth. And you're going to be able to get wealth, the wealth you need. And, 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 and I want to be very clear about this. I don't want everybody's money. I just want my money. A certain amount of resources out there are for me. God knew I was coming and God provided for me and he put resources out there. He put gas for me to burn and air for me to breathe and water for me to drink. And I want mine. I don't want yours. You take yours, I'll take mine. There's plenty to go around. And when you have that kind of worldview, it changes the way you look at things. This is all temporary. We don't have to save Mother Earth. The problem with the earth is sin. It's not waste, it's sin. And, and they can be distracted all they want. But, but you know, and they'll try to ration everything. But, um, they're, they're soon going to make a law where you can't even take a deep breath without paying taxes. <laughs> Half a breath should be enough for everyone. <laughs> but I believe God made the world, and he put plenty here for all of us. And, and he knew how much you were going to cost. He's already factored it in. If you'll trust him, he'll get you what you need when you need it. Amen. Amen. Including a, a church building. And you need it. How many of you know you need it? Don't just want it. It's time and, and you're going to get it. And it's out there for you. Praise God. So, so, so have faith in God no matter what it looks like. Don't, don't be deceived and think that this only works in good times. These principles work all the time. Now, go to Genesis 26. Did you get that point? Have faith in God. Now, we're going to get a little bit more specific. Genesis 26. And this is the story of uh, Isaac, part of his story. In verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Which is, is really, um, it's really telling here that they said that there was a famine in the days of Abraham. We think recession's bad. You know, famine was worse. That was an old-time recession, which means people literally starved, without, went without food. And, and, and God's trying to start this new race of people, the Jews, his covenant people, and he starts it with one old man and one old woman. And then they go right through a recession or a famine. Not, they didn't even get started good, and they go through a famine. But that's all really that you hear about. You don't hear a whole lot about it. Why? Because it didn't stop the plan of God, and it, they didn't die because of it. They made it right through. And then they had one son to continue on this new race, this covenant people, and he gets going, and he goes through a famine. So recession's been going on as long as there's been people. This isn't anything new. These things come and go. It's nothing new to God. And that's no shock. We think because we're Americans, we, we ought not have to go through anything. We're, we're supposed to be guaranteed to get whatever we want in life. But, but tough times come and go, and they always have. They always will. But God's people always make it through. So, so here's Isaac going through his famine. And the Lord, verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. 
and and I will be with you and bless you for for uh, to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. So in, in this case, and and you can't use him as as you know, we're just using this as an example here to help us stay on track. In this case, the famine was severe, and Isaac felt the pressure, and he was considering leaving. Point number two, if you want to follow God and, and be in God's system of prosperity, you need to be where God wants you to be. Isaac was about to leave because of the pressure, and God said, don't go. Stay right where you are. And sometimes people make drastic moves in tough times, and they maybe they shouldn't. Now, I don't know that it matters what the world does. They don't have a covenant with God. But if you have a covenant with God and you're going to expect God to take care of you, then we ought to be where God wants us to be, shouldn't we? And that's one of the things that can cut off supernatural supply is that you, that you get in the wrong place. You need to be in the right place. And in this case, uh, Isaac was told, stay. He said, well, but I think things are better in Egypt. And I believe Abraham went to Egypt during his famine. And Isaac's thinking, you know, Dad did it. I mean, it's better over there right now. And I'll just stay there until this is gone. But God says, don't, don't go there. Stay where you are. Now, it's up to you to pray and decide if you're where you're supposed to be. But, but if you want God's supply, you need to be in the right place. You need to be in the right city. You need to be in the right church. You need to be in the right job. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You're the only one that can make that. I can't tell you what you should do. I pray and stay on my face and make sure I'm in the right place. But I can't do that for you. Everybody's responsible to do that. But I'm telling you, it's important for you as a Christian to be where you belong. And, 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 and uh, it's going to be more and more important as time goes on and as times get tougher. See, when tough times come, there's, there's little margin for error things that people used to get away with they can't get away with it we've got to be more in tune we've got to be more on target we have to be more specific in our spiritual lives but but i can tell you if you're where you're supposed to be then then you've got it made i mean god's going to make sure to get your supply to you amen so now now another example is in first kings 17 and, and this is the example. Well, you know what happened to Isaac. He stayed where he was supposed to be, and he did really the only thing he knew to do. He was a farmer. He sowed seed, and the Bible says he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Bible says even in the famine, when he was in the right place, the Bible says he, he began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous, until his neighbors were ashamed because he was so blessed. And he did that because he was where he was supposed to be. And the famine didn't really control him. He still got his harvest. Praise God. These supernatural laws that we've been operating in, all the, they work. And they work even in bad times. I remember John Osteen telling the story that he built his church, uh, not the one that Joel has today, but the one before that. It was a multi-million dollar facility. He built that in the middle of a recession. When the oil crash came to Texas and Oklahoma, and, and God told him to build a church, and he built it right in the middle of it. 
Because you know when you're where you're supposed to be, God makes sure you get what you need. If you're in the wrong place, then you can expect things to get clogged up and things not to work right. I tell you, we need to do away with this notion that you come and get saved in church and then go live your life however you want and ask God to bless it. You've still got to do things God's way if you want God's hand and God's blessing, God's supply on your life. Can you say amen? amen. So, so in, then in 1 Kings 17, you can learn a lot from this story, a very familiar story. Verse uh, 1, Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So in this case, God told Elijah, move. He was supposed to go somewhere else. So he went to this brook, and God took care of him supernaturally because he was in the right place. God's not going to let you starve. He's not going to wake up one morning and you, and you starve to death because he wasn't watching. or because He's going to take care of us. We, we put too much emphasis on the government and, and, and what they're going to do. They, it's not the government's responsibility to take care of us. It's God's, and God will do a lot better job. And he can do it in any environment, in any economy. And so Elijah went to the brook. This is very interesting to me. He goes to the brook, and he's drinking water from the brook, and the ravens bring him bread and meat twice a day. That's really amazing. While he's there, it happened, verse 7, after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain. Well, why would God send him to the brook for, for him to get his supply there, knowing that the brook was going to dry up? Why did he do that? I don't know. He's God. He can do it however he wants. Isn't that something? God sent him to the brook. He's got birds bringing bread and meat. Couldn't he have a bird bring some water? Or, 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 or some other animal that could carry water? Bring, yeah, he could have. Couldn't he make water come out of a, of, a, of a rock like he did for the children when they ran out? He could, but he didn't. So, so Elijah sits there. And God chose this channel to bless him, and the brook literally dried up before his eyes. And then God said, go down there. There's a widow in town. You go to this town. There's a widow there that's going to take care of you in town. Well, why didn't God just skip the brook altogether, send him straight to the widow? I mean, God ought to say, you know, when you sign up for the kingdom, you know, are you willing to relocate? Because <laughs> it can happen. I mean, what, what a lot of trouble. And, 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 but sometimes, the reason I bring this up, sometimes the brook will dry up. And that doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It doesn't mean that the economy's just too big for God to fix. It just means that God's not going to use that channel of supply for you anymore sometimes you need to stay there and believe God even when things start to dry up other times you need to find out where you're supposed to go and get there 
But don't, don't, don't be surprised if God decides to change the channel of your supply from time to time. He likes to change channels. <laughs> because you really do get your eyes on him when, when that happens. So if you're in a place where you feel like the brook's drying up, don't panic because God's smart. He knows how to communicate. And, and he's not going to put you in a situation that you can't live through. Just pray. Say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? See, an, a mistake that we make, and preachers make it too, uh, is we think that if the brook's drying up, we just need more money. We could solve this problem with more money. So we go to our partners, or some people go to the bank, or whatever, or some try some gimmick because we want to throw money at the problem. And the problem wasn't a money problem. At that point, it was time for Elijah to move somewhere else, and that would solve the supply problem. Are you with me? To me, that's what's most important. So this message on prosperity is, about, is not about money at all. It's about obedience and being in position. Because I'm convinced, and I've lived it out for over 20 years in ministry, 30 years, that, that, that the key to being supernaturally cared for by God is being in the right place. It will, and that's exactly what he said in Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And if we could live our lives seeking to obey God and do what God's calling us to do in the right place, this other stuff will come in due time. So when people make their focus money and they're chasing money around and they're looking for the best seeming opportunity, they, they're getting it backwards. We're supposed to obey and then let God open the doors. It's a little different way of thinking, but I'll tell you what, it worked in the Bible and it works today. So Elijah leaves the brook because the brook dried up. Don't be afraid if the brook dries up. Don't feel like you're... You've done something wrong if the brook dries up. Sometimes the brook dries up. And I've learned over the years, when the brook starts to dry up, I'm going to pray and say, Lord, where do you want me to be? Obviously, you're not going to put me somewhere and not take care of me. So I'm either not in the right place or there's a blockage somewhere, but we need to work this out. And I've told him this many times because my name is on the bills, not yours. My name's on the bills. If I don't pay the bills, they're coming to get me. So let's get this worked out because you're not unfair. If you send me somewhere, you're going to take care of me. So if the, something happens to my supply, something is out of place, and I'm going to get it fixed. So Elijah obeys God, and he goes to Zarephath, verse 8, verse 9, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there. To provide for you. That's all the instruction he got. Now, I would have wanted a little bit more of a word picture if I was him. Because I'm thinking widow to provide for me. Probably rich widow with a prophet's chamber built onto her mansion. Husband may have been in oil or some big business. And she's got like uh, all these stashes of food underground. And, and, and so uh, what is the address, Lord? I'll be right there. Well, so he goes and finds this place, and she's poorer than he is. She's about to eat her last meal and die. Can you imagine knocking on the door? The brook's dried up. You knock on the door, and this lady comes and goes, yeah. 
And he goes, I'll be right back. Did I get the wrong house? I mean, how, what? But you know the story. He said, make me a cake first. God's going to do a miracle. And God wasn't just interested in Elijah. God wanted to help her and her son. And so you don't ever know what God's doing, but you just obey God. Obey God. So number two, be where God wants you to be. And, and I wish, you know, I wish that I knew the answer to that for everyone. And you could come to me and i say, you need to be here. You need to be there. But you know, God didn't want it that way. I tried it with my daughters. It doesn't work. <laughs> Even your own kids at one point, they get the freedom to pray and make their own choices. And, and, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So, so freedom's great, but you need to pray and make sure that you're using your freedom wisely, that you're where you belong, because that's, that's so important. And, 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 the, and, the, and the harder things get, the more uh, accurate we are going to have to be in our spiritual lives in order to, to, to make it and thrive. All right, number three. The, I know these are simple, but I'm telling you, they'll work. Number three, do what God has called you to do. So, so you, you, you need to have faith in God and be in the right place. But when you get to the right place, do what you're called to do there. It's so important that, that, that we are obedient to, to what God has called us. In other words, make sure that the job you're doing is what God has led you to do. Make sure that that foundation is there. And, and you know, we'll say, well, how, how do I know? Well, pray. And, and if the Lord doesn't tell you to move, then you're probably in the right spot. But, but, I, but I've always used, personally, I've always used money as, a, as another indicator that I'm in the right place. I've always used that, and I've always kept up with it, because if I'm spending more money than I make, either I'm doing something wrong, or I'm not in the right place. Because if I'm in the right place, God's going to make sure I pay the bills. I know that. I know that. He's a fair God. You, he doesn't save you and turn you loose and say, now you're on your own, do the best you can, and when you die, you can come to heaven and see me. No, He has a plan for you. He has a place for you. He has callings and places, things for you to do in life. And if we'll obey that, he'll make sure that you are able to do what you're called to do. He underwrites it. Now, he doesn't work for you, but he makes sure that what you do works and that, and that, and that it all comes in like it's supposed to. Plus, he adds some surprises in. And he, I mean, God will help you do things that you wouldn't have done for yourself. He'll lead you into that. He'll, he'll, he'll promote you. Uh, he's a good God. But we have to make sure that we're serious about it and that we obey God and do what we're called to do. Uh, there's been a lot of, I get a lot of prayer requests, and I pray over them in my prayer room. And, and, and so uh, sometimes, especially lately, people send requests for money. They, they want to pray for my finances, pray for my finances. Pray. Well, I don't, I don't just pray for their finances. I don't know what their problem is. It may not be finances. I pray, Lord, help them get into the right place. If they're in the wrong place, if their business is not right, if, if they, there's some businesses that need to shut down. 
And some people don't ever even give it, give it thought. There are some ministries that need to shut down. Well, how can you say that? In ministry, good. Not if God didn't call the man. And that's happening uh, today. Ministries that were able to barely survive in the past are not able to survive anymore. Why? Well, they probably weren't God's plan and God's will to begin with. A lot of churches were started by people that just got mad and decided, I'm just going to go rent a building and do it myself. And they get enough people. I mean, you can buy one of these. And you can get a suit. And you can stand up and say, I'm a pastor. And somebody will believe it. People will come in. And you can buy chairs. And I mean, and this is America. We can do what we want to do here if we can pay for it. And so, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're called of God. And it's time uh, for everybody to be honest about it. And, and, and I've, always, I've always tried to be honest. If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, somebody please tell me. I, I would really like, want to be the first to know. I don't want to pull off something. I don't want to pl- put on a charade. All my, I want to do what I'm supposed to do and, and be what I'm supposed to be and let God bless that. Can you say amen? So, so there are some things that are just not right. They're out of the will of God. They're just you know, p- people are trying to make it work, and it's not working. There's no, and I've seen severe damage done in churches where I didn't feel like the pastor was called of God to do what he was doing. There wasn't grace on the family. There wasn't grace to do it, and the children go through that pressure and go through all that and they end up resenting God because it, it never the finances are always short and, and there's always problems and they can't deal with them. It's just a it's I don't see what the point is. Man, if 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 I'm not supposed to preach, show me the door. Some ministries need to be shut down. Some 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 businesses never were the plan of God. Some Christians take jobs that they were never supposed to take. It's time to get serious about it. Say, Lord, where do I? You know, I used to I used to go to churches and I'd have that. I don't I don't mean to get on this too much. Obviously, I believe very strongly in this church and I love the gift of God in your pastor. I've seen it work for years and years and years. And, and if, if you can't see grace on him, you just need to get saved and get your spiritual eyes open. <laughs> they, 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 but both of them, they're just grace. To, they do it effortlessly. But, of course, there are pressures and things that they face that we, we don't know about. But, but, but you can tell when it's there. And, and so when I was a young person and preaching, I was traveling when I was in my 20s. And, and I went to this church several times. And every time I went there, I thought, man, I, these people just aren't anointed to do this. I don't know what why they think that they're supposed to pastor a church. And the church looked pretty good. I mean, they, we had good services. There was people there. But I just had this, but I'm, I'm just so young. I didn't feel like I had a right to say anything, so I didn't. And, and, and I, I just watched. And so it went on for four, five, six years. They had me every year. And I'd go one time, I'd think, I, I can't be right. They're doing so well. And the church is growing. And then we have such good meetings. And then I but it, it just doesn't seem like it's there. And after several years, the, uh, the just weird stuff started happening. She, the, the pastor's wife was riding her bike. She got hit by a car, broke, broke both of her legs. She ended up in the 
hospital and, and for, for months and months, and she got out of the hospital, and she got on antidepressants and started going to psychiatrists and having all these emotional problems, and then, the, then eventually, they, they, eventually they got a divorce and, and lost the whole church. The whole church shut down. It doesn't even exist today. Well, I believe I was right about it. I believe there are people out there trying to do things that they're not called to do, that they're not supposed to do, and, and, and this is a time and, a, and an hour where we just need to be honest with ourselves and, and with each other. And, and because, you know, it costs too much. Who wants to go through that and then go broke and then not have anything because they want to be something that they're not supposed to be? I just don't want to do that. Have you ever been in churches, and, and this used to happen years ago, but not so much now, when somebody gets up to sing a special and they're really, really bad. And everybody knows it but them. And you're sitting there going, why don't somebody do us all a favor and have a little talk with them and, and, and just tell them that, you know, you're a very gifted, talented individual. You have a lot of talent. Singing is just not one of them. Why can't we be honest enough with each other to, to, to get down to some of these issues and get people on the right track? Can you say amen? amen? Do what God has called you to do. If you're doing what God's called you to do, here's some practical advice. If you're doing what God's called you to do and things get tight, that does not mean you're in the wrong place. We do go through seasons where we need to tighten our belt. I know that's un-American, but it does happen. Can you say amen? And, and you need to know how to do that. If you're spending more than you make, find ways to cut expenses. This is a time, if you're having financial difficulty, God's a fair God. But, but he may not finance all the, the, the desires of your flesh and all the lusts and things that you want that you don't need. This may be a time to cut out some things and bring that spending under control. And if you get that figured out, we'll send you to Washington. <laughs> but it's not wrong to, to tighten the belt. It's not wrong to do without some things, to cut some things out. And, and just because you're... You know, you just need to have a sense about your life that I, I know this is a, a season of, of, of challenge in our finances, but I know I'm in the right place, so I'm going to stick it out. You need to have that kind of confidence. Amen? Amen. And, and, and God will honor that. Another thing I, I think, and we've been doing this for years, is to buy, when you do purchase things, discretionary things, buy from your heart. Not from your head or your flesh, but buy from the heart. I've had to learn to do that because in traveling, you, you don't have a consistent income. And I've been traveling for 21 years. And so you, you, you don't, just because you made so much this month doesn't mean you're going to do that next month. It has a lot to do with your schedule. And sometimes, all the time. You know, for 20 years, there's always an end to my schedule. It's like looking off the cliff looking into the abyss. It's like, you know, I'm employed for the next three months and then I don't have any meetings and it looks like life is over then. So I have to make decisions on purchasing things, expanding, you know, whatever, uh, personal thing, ministry things. You have to make decisions and you don't know what's coming. So you have to really listen and, and buy from your spirit. And I have been amazed, and I, don't, I won't take time to tell you of some of the things that have happened, but I've been amazed at God 
at how good he is because there are times when God will give me the green light to get something that I would have never gotten on my own. But it's like he says, no, I want you to have it. You get it. We'll take care of it. It'll be fine. Get it. You go, but God. I mean, I remember one time, I will tell you this one. We, we, uh, when we got married, I married a widow with two kids, and we, we bought a 30-foot motorhome. And uh, we all moved in after we got married, and we traveled together for six years in a motorhome. Well, we were in that for six months, and we were in Colorado Springs, and I went into the RV dealership to get a sewer hose, probably an 8 or $10 item. And I don't know how it happened, but some salesman got me into a new motorhome to, to show it to me. And I went from a sewer hose to thinking about buying a motorhome that's twice what this one was. And I, I can't tell you how it happened. I walked on that thing, and it was like something happened here, not just here, but here. It's like, you need to get this. I said, but God, it's new. I mean, I don't do new. I, I do <laughs> slightly used. I don't like depreciation. I don't do new. But the guy says, well, it's been sitting here. It's last year's model. This year's models are coming. We've got to move it. They want to sell it. Make an offer. Just make an offer. And so I went back and forth. I went and got my wife and walked her on it. Same thing happened to her. So we got on and our kids, we all got in that motorhome. We asked him for a few minutes. I shut the door. We all held hands. I said, let's just pray. And we went around the circle. I said, what do you think Jesus was saying? Not what do you want, but what do you think Jesus is saying right now? And, 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 and my wife said, I, I think he wants us to get it. And I did too. Well, we really couldn't afford it. I mean, I went to seven banks in Tulsa to buy the first one. And I was turned down seven times. And the last one got all excited. They got all my ministry information. They read it over. And she said, we're excited about this. She called me back a week later and said, we're not going to do it. I said, why not? She says, well, to be honest, we just don't think you're going to make it. I said, thank you. <laughs> Golly. So I finally got somebody to finance the first one, and it's half what this one is. So, so I mean, it's just, it's just beyond my comprehension. But it was longer, it was bigger, it was new, and we really needed it. As a family of four, living in one, we needed a bigger one. And so anyway, uh, I made an offer. I said, Here, here's the offer. I said, but the only condition is you get the financing. I'm not going to run all over town. I can't get anybody to take me. So if we settle on a figure... You find somebody to finance it, and I'll take it. Well, it took them like five hours. They took the offer, found financing. Next day, I'm driving off that lot in a brand new. Uh, it's still the most exciting thing I've ever purchased in my life. It was brand new. It still had the plastic on it. It had like, like you know, hardly any miles. And I'm driving off thinking, God, you're a good God. We financed it for 15 years. We paid it off in two and a half years. Two and a half years, it paid off. And, and see, I didn't know that kind of money was going to come in. I didn't know what the future held. I was scheduled out for six months. After that, it's like you're broke, you're unemployed. You, and, and so I had no idea, but God knew. So if we'll buy from our heart, and, and, and there are times when you can afford something, and it seems like the thing to do, and it's like the Lord will just say, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to that. That'll help you. That'll keep you from, from doing things you shouldn't do, and it'll also bring you into blessings that God wants to bring into your life. And that works in good times and bad times. Do you believe that? Yes. 
Listen to your heart. Buy from your heart. Cut expenses if you need to, but do what God's called you to do. Make sure you're doing that, that that's what you're spending your time, your life on. Then the fourth point, the last point is, is, is use what you have. And this is for people that need a real breakthrough in their finances. And uh, this is something that I've seen in my life over and over. If you go to 2 Kings, um, Kings chapter 4, this is the story of, the, of, the, of another widow who came to Elisha because she was about to lose her family. Verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. And so Elisha said to her, she was coming to him for money. She said, I need money. He says, what do you want me to do? I'm a prophet. I don't carry money around. He said, what do you have? Boy, I like that. She was telling him what she didn't have. I don't have the money. They're going to take my sons. I don't know where to go. I don't have anybody to help me. He says, stop right there. What do you have? She says, well, I don't have anything except a little jar of oil. He said, that'll work. That'll work. The point here is when you need a miracle, a breakthrough, when you need even a financial miracle, God will normally use something that's within your reach. Are you with me? The moment you get the idea that I'm desperate, I don't have anything, I got to have help, I quit. You've cut yourself off from the the intervention of God because God works with us not without us so 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 use what's within your reach what, what whatever your case is uh, another example of that is is Samson remember the story of Samson when he killed a thousand Philistines does anybody know what his weapon of choice was the jawbone of a donkey now, is there something specially significant about donkey jawbones that I don't know about? I mean, are they really great weapons? Or what's the deal with the donkey jawbone? Whatever it is. I've been at camp, you know. No sleep. What's the significance? Well, evidently, a thousand Philistines come upon Samson. He looks around, and the only thing he can see is the carcass of a donkey. And he thought, the rib's not going to work. There, that jawbone looks a little bit like a club. And God said, I can use that. But it was within his reach. So he used what he had, and then God did the rest. When we quit, give up, and pretend like I'm just trusting God, no, you've just quit, and you, want, you, you just want somebody to rescue you. You, you, you just want somebody to do it all for you. Usually, and you've got to pray. This is another area that takes prayer. If you're in a tough spot right now, pray and say, Lord, what do I have? What do I know what I don't have, but if I focus on that, I'll never get over this. What do I have? When I started traveling, and the Lord sort of moved me out of where I quit my job as a youth pastor, and I quit my, my secular job. And he starts moving me out to travel. 
I said, but God, I only know three pastors. And, 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 and I mean, I only know three pastors. I, there's 52 weeks in the year. And I know three pastors. So logically, I'm only going to be employed for three weeks if I can talk these three pastors into having me. And you could talk like that all day long, but you'll never get anywhere. So what did I have to do? I, I used the three pastors. But yeah, but I only have three. I need 52. Well, use what you have. Start with what you have. So I started with three. That was 21 years ago. I'm still going today with three. Started with three. Three pastors that had said, if you ever get free, call me. I'd like to have you come preach for me. Only three had ever said that, and I called them and, and went. And after I used those three, then, then the things started. Because it was the right thing. It was the right time. I was in the right place. But I still had to use what I had. Are you with me? You, you could be really needing a miracle right now. And, and, and if, you'll, if you'll focus on, on God and on what God's done for you, it may be a relationship that you need to reconnect with. There may be an idea, a talent, uh, something that God's given. There may be s somebody you know that you need to call. But, you, but, but your miracle is within your reach. God would not put you in a place where you need a miracle and then make it impossible for you to get it. She said, all I have is a jar of oil. And he said, bring it. That'll do it. Yeah, but it's just one little, yeah, that will work. And it's not that he said, you know what, lady? If you'd had anything else, it wouldn't have worked. But oil is the magic formula. No, it wasn't the magic formula. It's just what she had. I've seen this work over and over and over again. There's that, that one relationship, that one idea, that one nugget, that one. When I went to Bible school, I could not find a job. And I just moved away from home, and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what, I, I went all over town looking for a job, and it just seemed like everything was a dead end. You ever been there? It just was so frustrating. And I finally just got so frustrated. I just went back to my apartment. I sat on the bed, and I was just depressed. And I just thought, God, this, it's not supposed to be like this. What am I going to do? And I wanted a job in the evenings so I could go to school. And I really wanted to have Wednesdays off, and I wanted to work all day Saturday. And I felt like if I had that, I could, I could pay the bills and make it through school, but I just couldn't find anything. So I sat down on the bed and just, just sort of disgusted. And when I got quiet, deep down on the inside was go down the street two blocks away to the Christian bookstore and apply there. I said, but that Christian bookstore is right across the street from Rhema. There's 2,000 Christian students that go to school across the, you don't think there's a line a mile long to work at the only Christian bookstore in this town? That's going to be a waste of my time to go there. And at that time, it was the only bookstore within miles of there. And I said, they're not even open in the evenings. I wanted an evening job. And it's 6 o'clock right now. It's no use. I need a miracle. <laughs> Give me a minute. Send somebody. Help me, God. Give me a donation. I need money. That's what I need. Money, you know. $50,000 and I can go to school and everything's fine. I don't even need a job. But that's not it. The, the key was there. It was within my reach. What does the scripture say in Romans 10? The word is near you. It's in your heart. 
and in your mouth. In other words, the answer is close. So I just thought, you know, it won't hurt to go down there. So I went down and <laughs> went in, and it happened to be open. I found out they opened, they stayed open until 9 o'clock. So I walked in, and I said um, to the guy that was there, he's the only person there, said, you know, I'm looking for a job. Uh, what do I need to do to apply for a job here? He goes, come here. What? He said, nobody knows this, but I'm quitting. <laughs> said, I'm going to put my two-week notice in this week. And I'm the only one that I hadn't told anybody yet. He says, give me your application, and I'll give it to the boss right away. I said, okay. So, so I did. Of course, there was lots of op applications. A lot of them flooded the place. So the, the, the owner, the lady, she had me come in her office, and she said, well, she said, I do have an opening that's coming open in two weeks. I said, mm-hmm. And she said, but now the, the, the hours would be Monday and Tuesday in the evening, off on Wednesdays, and Thursday, Friday in the evening, and all day Saturday. She said, would you be interested in that? I said, I said yeah, that, that'd probably work for me. And I left thinking, thank God. I mean, what a lesson. That the, that the, the key to my miracle was in my, my own spirit. And when I, once I got quiet enough, because I was trying to find jobs everywhere. And it, nothing seemed to click. And when, you, when you're a Christian and you're serving God and you're in the right place and your heart's right, and you seem like you're running into a brick wall every time you turn around, you need to stop and say, Lord, what am I doing wrong here? Where, where's that doorway? Where's that miracle? Where's that? In what do you want from me? And I'll do my part so you can do your part. And I'll tell you, God will communicate. He's good at it. Amen? Amen. Use what's within your reach. And, and, and the miracle is on the way. Did you get those points? Have faith in God. Be where God wants you to be. Do what God's called you to do. And if you need a real breakthrough, use what's, what's within your reach. Use what you have. Don't just ignore what you have and say, God, help me. Use what you have. Do all you can do and then expect God to do the rest. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.